This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Thursday morning, and I am Glenda Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Lisa Graham coming to you from Watsika, Illinois, and you are listening to a special Draft Horse episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network, presented today by the Draft Horse Journal for April 5th, 2018. Our episode today is number 1907. This episode is brought to you by the World Clydesdale Show. Good morning, Heavy Horse World. Good morning. As I promised, we are going to have a class that is second to none. We are going to be bringing in the Clydesdales, the Belgians, and the Pertrans in the arena. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this Thursday morning draft horse day. And Lisa is back. Uh, of course, soft spot in my heart for draft horses because I've owned a few over the years, mostly the black ones. Um, all the black ones, actually. I've never owned any other color draft horse. So. <laughs> we, we can fix that, you know. <laughs> I bet you could too. I bet you could. Well, we have a lot of wow, a lot of fun guests coming up on today's show. Really, legends in the industry, and Jennifer's going to tell us a little bit about that. Coming up on today's long on today's Draft Horse Journal episode, brought to you by the World Clydesdale Show. Coming up soon, people. Longtime Draft Horse judge and current coachman. Alan Freitag is going to share stories from his many amazing adventures. When you hear of all the different places this guy's worked, you're just going to be astounded. And then next up, Arlen Waring talks about importing Shire horses from Great Britain, which he started doing way back in the 60s. And the most recent one was just like a couple of weeks ago. So it's going to be fun listening to his stories about how that whole process has changed over the years and how he saved Shires from practical extinction here in the United States. So stay tuned for the free, folks. Thank you very much, Jennifer. You know, if I was going to pick another, and I'm going to get in trouble here, send your emails to Jennifer <laughs> at horseradionetwork.com. All hate mail goes to her. Um, so if I was going to pick another one that wasn't a black percher on, um, I think I might pick a Shire. I just think they're really cool. That's <laughs> just. A black shire. You're yeah, going to stay with the theme of going black. I don't even know if I have to go black on the shire. I might, I might change my prejudice. And, uh, you know, put my bigotry aside and go with something other than a black one. Well, you know, we have a site, Shires for Sale, so you can uh, go Oh, that's what I'm doing the rest of the show. Jennifer won't like it, but there's lots of of great Shires out there. So it's nice. We do get feedback. You know, I I post a lot of things on the Facebook about our show, and and I do listen to all of our um, messages that we get back in. A couple of them have said... Let's get more Shires on there. And we have done, you know, we've had Danelle Kenny on. She is the director of the shows for the, the Shire Association. We've had her on. We've had a couple Shire exhibitors be on the show. So today we're going to continue that with Mr. Oh Waring. Oh my God, there's baby icon. Shires on this site. <laughs> See, you can buy one. You're, 
<laughs> Look at how cute I think they are. I think he's multitasking. No, I'm not. There. I'm not multitasking at all. I'm just shopping, pretty much now. You are on your own. <laughs> <laughs> There's some cute yearlings but on here too. About, <sighs> well, and talk about shopping. I think that this is one of the my most favorite time of the year is when a lot of these sales are are happening, and you have an opportunity to, to not only gather to see horses but see friends. A big event coming up at the end of the month is the National Clydes sale. And that has been a part of my life for probably the last 25 years. And it's new facility is going to be in Shipshawana, Indiana, where they're having our, our sale for the first time at the Mech Center in downtown Shipshawana. So I want to put a call out to all of our friends, whether you're near or far, whether you love the Clydesdale or not, this is a gathering of friends. It's where you come to visit with old friends, make new friends. It really is a trend-setting event in our draft horse industry. It's different from a lot of the sales where they have four, five, six hundred horses to sale. We have a, a smaller group of horses. There's a little over a hundred Clydesdales that are going to be sold and we'll sell well, that's mares, geldings, and stallions. But just the gathering and the atmosphere and our good friends at Anheuser-Busch, Dave and his crew help with the social part of it, the banquet, the auction, our auction. That Lots we of beer, during I the assume. Banquet. Lots of beer, <laughs> but the auction that we do of just items that help raise money for the World Clydesdale Show and to help our Clydesdale organization, it just sets record. I've been a part of that for probably the last 20 years, and last year we raised over $80,000 oh, in wow. just a charity auction during the banquet. And good food, good friends, lots of beer, as <laughs> our good friends from Budweiser are a host, uh, but just a gathering of where you can go pick up anything you need for your draft horses. And it's happening in Shipshawana, which is the heart of the homage. So a, a, a great fun-filled weekend. And the sale is the last weekend of April. It actually, we sell on Saturday, but the activities start. Horses will be moving in on Wednesday, Thursday. There's educational events going on. And so if you're anywhere near that Shipshawana area, come down the last weekend and, and watch the Clydesdale sell and just be a part of such an amazing good group of people okay i've changed my mind and when so I, win? I did a commercial yeah, yeah. <laughs> i did a com commercial but i didn't even mean to because i'm just so passionate about it i just you know want to encourage everybody to come and join us but there's all kinds of sales going on waverly midwest horse sale one of our our sponsors is happening right now in fact our producer lynn Tilling just texted me and said hey i'm headed to the sale um we'll be listening it's just kind of a neat event. Again, the weather has been a little iffy around here. You'd think the Easter Bunny showed his face, but I think that Pexitani Phil has been accurate. We've had a blizzard the last couple of days here in Illinois. has been snowing, whiteout conditions. Iowa's getting the same thing. I, I don't know what's wrong with that groundhog. <laughs> well, he was right, actually. So, I mean, whether you like yeah. him or not, yeah. he was right this time. So I've decided now, after hearing you talk, that when I win the lottery, I'm going to have one of each. I'm going to have one of each breed. <laughs> that's, that's how I, de I decided well, that. Well, so. let me tell you quite honestly, I look out in my pasture this morning, and I, I see in the feeder in one of our lots, I have a Belgian, a Percheron, and a Clyde. They're eating out and of the Are they all feeders. getting along? There's no and, bias there or anything? Oh, gosh, no. yes. Yeah, okay. No, they get along fine. In fact, I put a picture up the other day of... Facebook. I'm like, it's the breakfast buffet and we do not discriminate. <laughs> so it's, so they were all there. And then, and then we're going to talk to Mr. Waring about his newest acquisition coming over from England. He had a horse arrive this week into the U S from England and I'm actually going to be picking it up. 
um, this weekend or this next coming week, and it'll be here until we can get it back to Idaho. So you you just need to come to my house because I have all breeds <laughs> running out in the pasture right now. And one of my listeners just texted and said, you know, if you get if you do that, you're going to need a bigger truck and trailer too. So your your ten thousand dollar draft you, horse just went to one hundred and fifty. So <laughs> yeah, but no. Knowing you, the horse will never leave the property. That's You'll true. You'll just want to look at them. That's so you don't true. Really, just It'd be just a big in pet. Yep. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. So I know it. that <laughs> I know that foaling season is in full swing here, and that, that's one of the best things about Facebook is watching people post the pictures of their foals. And with technology, you you can literally see them be born on camera. Um, I have to laugh because yesterday there was a lady that said her daughter had went out and watched the foal be born. And it was going to be so interesting when she went to school. And it reminds me of when my son was in kindergarten, I got called into school one day. I was volunteering in this, and his kindergarten teacher called me into the office and she said, this, this isn't bad. He's not in trouble, but you've got to see what he, he drew today. And I was almost afraid. And this was right (laughs) after we'd had a foal. And she said the topic of the day in kindergarten was draw something that makes you think of spring. So she showed me the others. All the little girls had butterflies and birds and flowers. And my son had depicted a mare foaling and he had (laughs) colored the blood and he colored the bag. And, you know, it it was all there on this picture. She I, I remember to this day, she said, I will never get rid of this picture. She said, this is hilarious. This is a farm kid. And his idea of spring is this picture. And she said, the red blood sealed the deal for me. She said he was the winner of the day. <laughs> All the girls are going, ew, gross. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I always try to tell him what happens at home stays at home. And I, I told his teacher one day, if you just believe about half of what he tells you, I'll believe half of what he tells me that happens at school. So <laughs> kind, of, kind of a good thing raising farm kids. But back to saying on Facebook, it's fun to see all these foals. And it seems to me that the rise of size is out there. The foals are seeming more big. I don't, I don't know if yeah, it's leg doing better too, crossing or better nutrition. Yeah, yeah, the foals are, are looking very good. I had a friend that posted the other day, unknowns to her, she had twins. And first foal came out, was a little small, and she just attributed it to being a first-time mare delivering for the first time. And, you know, then a few hours later, here comes another one. And she was just kind of beating herself up because she missed the foals when she was doing all of her ultrasounding and everything. But mother nature kind of has a funny way of, you know, putting a joke on us. We're not, I guess we're not always supposed to see everything and know everything and let nature take its course, but it seems foaling has been good for a lot of our draft horse friends. I haven't heard many bad stories yet this year. So it's a nervous time though. Yeah, it is always nerve-wracking. And then mares are good at at uh, playing games with you for a couple weeks ahead of giving you the little fake indications that they're going to go, and then they don't, uh, which they're just doing that yeah. to keep you up at night for many nights in a row. That's why they're doing that. I know. It's I know. Well, we were talking in our pre-show. I was watching a mare on camera this morning, and at 4 o'clock, I thought, oh, this is it. And then at 5 o'clock, she was up eating and then laying back down. And so... Yeah, they like to trick you, and there's nothing. My best way to have a foal is to go to bed and not turn a camera on, and then wake up and you go out there, and they're, you know, they they like to trick you quite often. 
That is for certain. Well, you know what we do have coming up, speaking of Clydesdales, is we have the World Clydesdale Show. It's returning to the... Alliant Energy uh, Center. Because I'm not allowed to say that word, days. apparently. So, it's returning to the Alliant Energy Center in Madison, Wisconsin, where it was held in 2007 and 11. Occurring every four years, the World's Clydesdale Show is the crown jewel competition of the breed. The four-day schedule includes over 100 classes showcasing the versatility, excitement, and beauty of the Clydesdale breed, and ranging from traditional hitch to halter classes to dressage, barrel racing, and jumping. Uh, there's primetime programs that you shouldn't miss. There's just a lot going on there. It, they're proud to welcome Chesapeake Petroleum as their official title sponsor, and it means great things for Clydesdales and for the show, including more prize money. We'd love to see you in Madison. So with the 600 Clydesdales, uh, they have class passes are available now and chances to win a wagon giveaway. And if you don't have room in your uh, Miata for the wagon, then you can opt to auction it off at the show. Uh, stay connected as more details become available, such as the $10,000 Full Spectacular at the theworldsclydesdaleshow.com, including sponsorship information, opportunities, volunteer forms, all the usual you can find over at worldclydesdalesshow.com. Clydesdaleshow.com. Not two S's in there. Um, and on-site camping is available as our hotels within walking distance of the facility. There's nothing better that when you go to a conference that you can walk from the hotel to the conference and not have to get a ride. That's a pain. Amen. And this, these hotels are literally in the same parking lot. So Perfect. if you park Even your better. vehicle, you're there for the duration. <laughs> Even better. You know, when you go to Vegas, so many times you have to get transportation, and that's a pain. It's such a pain. Uh, so mark your calendars for October 24th to 28th, 2018. Make your plans and set your goals. Madison, Wisconsin is the place to be in October. All right. All right. I, we I have our guest. Our, yep. our, well, we're... We're pretty excited about our first guest because we're we're going to relate back to that World Clydesdale show. Uh, our first guest today is Mr. Alan Freitag. He's joining us from the Plains, Virginia. And Alan, if you know Alan, he is unparalleled in the draft horse industry. And he is going to be called upon to judge at that prestigious World Clydesdale show. But to give you a little bit of background about my first Friend Alan, he is a member of a Western Canadian family known by all the heavy horse industry as the name to be in the horse industry. His dad, Eddie, had quite a career both driving hitches and in the breeding horses, and he has passed on his zeal for the draft horses to his three sons, of which Alan is the oldest. Alan's resume includes working for some 18 different draft horse hitches, all having successful shows and exhibition hitches, including a championship at the 1990 North American Six Horse Hitch Classic Series Champions. He's also worked for the famous Budweiser Clydesdales, the Loyola Farm, and the Live Oak Plantation, which is right there in your back door, Glenn. Yep. But today, he is the coachman for Mrs. Jacqueline Orstrom of the Plains, Virginia. So, Alan, good morning, and thanks for being on our show. Uh, good morning to you, and uh, thanks for having me. Well, I'm excited to, to to learn about how Alan has transformed from a young Belgian boy living in Saskatchewan to now being a coachman in Virginia. There's a, there's a lot of storyline in there, but we're going to kind of go, go back to the beginning. And as I said, it is no stretch to say that the Freitag name of Saskatchewan is Anonymous with success in our draft horse industry. So, first off, I want you to tell us a little about about your upbringing. A lot of people 
know you, but they don't know the beginning. And when we talk about growing up in a little town in Saskatchewan, literally very small town, uh, you're the oldest of three boys and you grew up with Belgians. So take it from there on where you started competing with the draft horses, the mentors that you had and, and how they formed you into your love for the draft horses. Well, to, to start off, you know, it was actually, my dad was from, you know, Alameda, Saskatchewan. My mother was a, an American from Indiana, from a Belgian family. And, uh, my dad was, you know, working in the States as a professional and met my mother at a, at a horse show and they were married. And, uh, so when I came along, my dad was driving six pony hitch doing exhibitions on a fire engine for, uh, uh, Victor adding machine in Chicago. So that was my first ponies were my first, uh, horses really. And, uh, I don't remember much of the very first times, but they said, yeah, they sent me when they'd go drive in the ponies. I'd be sometimes with dad, sometimes with the other guys that worked there off. I'd go on the seat with them. And by the time they'd get back to the barn, I'd be sound asleep on the seat beside them. So, uh, <laughs> Uh, that, you know, and then we, my dad moved around to some different places. He worked at Budweiser, uh, at the breeding farm and made the shoes and shod the, uh, eight horse hitch, which there was only one of that time. But, uh, so we didn't know anything else other than horses. You know, we were every summer was filled with going to the horse shows, uh, my, I don't know if it was my first horse show, but I was born in September and I went to, they took me to Toronto in November to the horse show and, uh, I've never missed one since. So, uh, that's, uh, Toronto is really special to me. Uh, so I knew by, you know, and I think I was 11 when we went to Saskatchewan, my grandfather died and dad went to take over the, the farm and the, and the horses. And by then you know, I'd already had, had enough of horse showing that I knew that's what I was going to do mm-hmm. uh, for a living was if I could, I'm going to show horses. Right. So, you know, they could barely keep me in school long enough because <laughs> I was ready to go. And I wanted to go back to the States because I wanted, I liked the, the hitching and the driving and, and mm-hmm. we didn't at home, we didn't do that. We didn't show hitches. Right. Everything we had was broken. We learned to drive, you know, standing up on the stone boat and feeding mm-hmm. hay. And uh, so I, I knew I wanted to go and, and work work for some hitches or for sure go show horses. And I set about making it happen. Uh, was, I think, in 1978, Jim Emmons was working at a Clyde outfit in uh Ohio and called up my dad and wanted to know if I'd come and help for the summer and which I did. And every summer after that, till I got out of high school, I was down in the States helping somebody show, uh, back to McKeon farms with, uh, I think Craig Grange was the manager at that point. And, uh, you know, a couple of summers with McKeon and, and Craig and, and, uh, right out of high school, I went to the Alberta Wildlife Park where Jim Poole was the manager and they had a six horse hitch of Belgians that they showed and but 
to go there, you couldn't just work with the horses. You had to do, you know, work on the, at the wildlife park. So he asked me what I wanted mm-hmm. to do. And I said, I want to feed the lions and tigers. And so that's what I did. I, <laughs> at, I looked after the big cats and the, and the horses. And then it always, you know, it just kept rolling from there. Uh, that was, like I said, in Alberta. So well, wait a minute. I, I After you're done what... helping with the lions and tigers, the horses seem mild. It's like no big deal then. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. were pretty tame. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so uh, I think from there it was, I don't know what even, I don't even know why I left there. I can't even recall why I left. But anyway, another call came in. Uh a good friend, uh, Tony Casignasso, was working at Timberwood Farms in Michigan, which was owned by Ted Nugent, and uh, needing help. So packed my bag and headed for, you know, left Alberta and headed for Michigan. And, uh, yeah, always, you know, you're a teenager and always looking for, you know, something different and, and you know, trying to make your own way. And, uh, yeah, just one job. Well, I, You'd meet I have, somebody at a horse I have show to go and... back. I have to go back to Ted Nugent. Yeah, we, if you were and I was. expand on this a bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, a lot of people in our industry probably don't know that Ted Nugent was involved with draft horses. He had the Clydesdales. And you see him as a tough rocker and a, and a gun advocate and all that. But he had a very soft spot for the draft horses. So, we know him as his stage presence. You have to tell me what was he like at home and was he hands-on with the horses? Uh, at home, he, he didn't live where the farm was. He probably lived an hour or better away. I think he was in Jackson, Michigan. We were near Kalamazoo. Uh, he also had a mink ranch where they had 50,000 mink and through the mink part of it, he met, Paul Cooper, Paul Cooper, well-known Clydesdale family in Wisconsin, but Paul Cooper was a mink, you know, had a mink farm. So that's how, and somehow Cooper, either Nugent's farm manager or possibly Nugent himself, somehow got him into Clydesdales. And that's, I don't know how Tony Castagnasso ended up there, but he was. So, you know, I'm a wide-eyed kid rolling in there, and uh, you know, I was just the junior, junior guy. I cleaned all the stalls, and and uh, but they had a six-horse hitch, and I think I saw Ted maybe three or four times while I was there, and basically he was coming out just to see what he owned. You know, he he really right. didn't know that much, so for sure not hands-on, but he did like the horses, and. A lot of times, he if we knew he was coming to the farm, we'd have you know the six hooked or something, and and let him see what he owned. He liked the roans, the roan horses or horses hmm. that had maybe a mixed like a little gray or something in the leg. He liked that color combo. I mean, that was just his his uh, hmm. preference, I guess. We weren't trying for, you know, like, oh, it's like everybody. We were wanting the solid bays with the four whites. But, uh, yeah, I did hear him on a couple of different occasions, you know, just not talking to us, but just talking to whoever was with him that, oh, he really liked, really liked that, how that mixed. Hmm. And But that was 
part of the mink thing too, because you know all the different colors of mink, and they were breeding mink for specific colors. So I suppose it kind of carried on that way. But uh, for sure, he he wasn't involved uh, per se. Hmm. So uh, well, I thought you'd have a real interesting story <laughs> that he came out with guns. Uh, you know, but every time he came through that area we'd get concert tickets so we'd go to the con we didn't go backstage or anything but uh you know there again the you know to be 17 and you know going to see uncle ted you know at the rock and roll (laughs) show was was pretty cool you know our uh i know our insurance company our insurance company when at you know, at Nugent's was called Amboy Dukes Insurance. And turns out Amboy Dukes was Ted's first band. It was the name of Ted's first oh. band when he was a teenager. But that was our, we were insured through the Amboy Dukes Insurance Company. So, huh. <laughs> but, see, uh, that's something you'll never forget. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, well, I, that had to be a very interesting place, but I'm looking over the resume at the hitches and I was fortunate enough to see you at many of these places. And a lot of them are, are no longer actively out on the hitch circuit. Um, windmill acres, you know, we loved the Sigmund family and they had tremendous Belgians and Budweiser Clydesdales, the Heinz hitch. You worked with the Pertrans going back to Cedar farm Pertrans. I put that picture of you with an eight horse hitch at the New York state fair, I believe it was on Facebook. And I had more comments on that, that people said, we don't remember Cedar farm having an eight horse hitch, or we didn't remember seeing that hitch on the road. And I, I was commenting back that, you know, not only did you campaign a six horse hitch, but the eight horse hitch back then, you know, in the early eighties, that was an up and coming class that not a lot of people participated in. And then I have to go back to the other picture I posted of you as a young child showing in showmanship. Thanks to your wife and your sister-in-law, I got some fun pictures of you to post, but I'm going back to that cedar farm because that to me was one of those hitches that was a a once in a lifetime opportunity to drive. Do you have any great memories or stories about John and the cedar farm bunch? Oh, oh, for sure. And yeah, looking back, that for sure was one of the, you know, best outfits I drove and basically put it together. Uh, they had, uh, when I went to work there, uh, you know, they'd been showing a six, I don't know, a couple of years probably prior to that. But, uh, you know, get in there and you look at what they have. And, and I think probably the may have added one or two that first year. But, you know, and, and did okay. But then it was, you know, let's get, he got serious about it. And we went out and, yeah, looking for geldings and was lucky to find a few that worked. And, uh yeah, that was a lot of fun putting that outfit together. It was in Northern Michigan. So you're, you were dealing with your, your weather a lot of times to get horses going in the spring, but, uh, he had a thousand acres and trails and plenty of places to drive and was there by my, you know, wasn't, uh, wasn't married or anything at the time. So you get plunked down in Northern Michigan don't know anybody <laughs> you might as well be there. working so uh yeah so that's what i did i mean 
and most of these outfits from the time I got to uh uh for sure that uh Danny Shops you know I did the you did the shoeing some places I even made the shoes but always did your own always did my own shoeing so there was plenty to do and uh you know getting the semis around and getting new equipment and and uh, I get as much enjoyment out of putting it together as I do showing and, and driving them, it seems like. So uh, uh, that was, uh, yeah, we had we had a minimal crew, and we'd take, you know, 14, because we had a whole slate of breeding uh, line horses as well. So, you know, mm-hmm. there'd be three of us with a dozen horses or more at the show, two semis, and, and uh it, you know, as I look back, it was a lot of work, but, uh, as anything, uh, nothing comes easy. Right. So gotta, and, and that you was know, one of my, work for it. that was another one of my questions. Just, I was looking at on the paperwork that we'd went, done before the show, looking at all of the farms and the names where you've worked. And like you said, from the shots is out West to, to Michigan, to Rocky bar ranch back up in Canada, they all, you all had the same vision of having a winning hitch or a champion breeding horse. But if you are a youngster in this industry today, I mean, you know, I have an 18 year old that he's just got the bug like you. He just thinks that's all he wants to do. Do you have some advice for those that are, are coming into this? And I think part of your advice would be to be humble about starting. And like, like you said, you have to work for it. You can't, always have rely on people to come in and do your shoeing or come in and help you buy the horses. What's some advice for starting at the bottom and working your way up? Well, I can, I can tell you two things my dad told me when I was ready to leave home, you know, and then go out there and work. He said, you're going to do this. He said, "You, you need to know how to do everything. And that was, you know, halter break the, the, horse break it to drive shoe it if you can make the shoes great drive the truck uh be able to make the entries i mean and that's what i did i went around and tried to you know learn everything there was to do and uh very fortunate to be around good the top people of the day uh mm-hmm. you know my dad knew everybody and everybody knew him and you know, uh, that, that's a big part is hang around, be around people that are, that know and are good at it. That That's the best advice right there. And there would be times where, you know, if I wasn't working at a hitch or, you, you know, working at a place that showed or in between jobs, I'd call up somebody and I'd just, Hey, I'll go to the show and help you give me a place to sleep and something to eat. You know, I did a lot of that, uh, just, just to be there and, and be part of it and, and learn. And the other thing he told me is if you, if you're at the show, if you get a chance to take a nap, take it, you you know, (laughs) Amen. always, always, yeah, always kept that one in mind too. And, and, uh, but yeah, the best, the best thing is, yeah, I was fortunate that my family was, was you know good at it so you didn't have to go very far to learn a lot of stuff but uh right. in a lot of cases that that isn't 
how it is, you know, uh, but yeah, hook on with somebody that, that knows or an outfit knows and yeah, call them mentors, uh, whatever. But for sure, my family was the big part or my father and, and my, my grandfather in Indiana, uh, you know, they had a pretty successful Belgian breeding outfit too. And, and, uh, he was on the Belgian association board for over 30 years as a director. So, uh, uh, well, you, you know that yeah. I have, we've been friends for a long time and, you know, I probably have lots of Alan stories, but the number one Alan story that I will always remember, and it might not even flash back in your memory, but to me, I will always remember this. We, you were judging a show that I was at and I think it was an Iowa state fair and the youth class came in and nobody was doing anything right. It was not a good class. And all of a sudden you yelled circle and you wanted all the kids to come into a circle. And I just remember you trying to, to hide your aggravation. And you were saying, you know, you turned wrong, you know, you got to do this. And I just remember you yelling circle (laughs) and the kids panicking, thinking, what are we going to do? But (laughs) you wanted them because you had a passion. You wanted them to do it right. And you wanted to teach them. And, and that was a, that was a great thing to do. But for me to be sitting there and just hear, hear you yell circle, it was, it was quite funny. <laughs> and, and a lot of it is, you know, they, they're not even holding the lead rope. You know, they've right. They've got it wrapped around their hand or it's dragging on the ground or it, it you know, it's the basics. You might as well learn how to do this right now. Uh, that way you won't get in trouble. <laughs> you know, get yourself in trouble later. So that's a lot of it is yeah. Holding the rope and holding, using your show stick. And, you know, you can, you can move all their feet by moving their head. You know, if you pull once you can, so, you know, unless somebody, you know, somebody had to teach me, uh, it was my father, but, uh, uh, cause I always just remember circle. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And that was one thing he told me too. He said, you know, we might not always have the best horse, but he said, you can probably get ahead of one or two guys you shouldn't get ahead of just by out showing them, you know, making your horse, having your horse show better. Uh, so that, that was another thing I've always, uh, remembered too, is, you know, you gotta, you gotta think that yours is the best, whether it isn't, is or isn't and uh yeah work a little harder than the next guy and you're more likely to get rewarded for it so sure well we'll talk about halter horses because you did you did receive the honors of helping to bring one of the most prolific Clydesdale mares back into the U.S. and you were on a trip to Europe and you were visiting Scotland and you you found the mayor Mill Alverna in Scotland and you were at that time yeah in connection with the live oak plantation. And you said, this is the mayor that needs to be back here in the U S. So tell us about that trip. And she really went on to be one of the best brood mares out there and, and a very prolific Clydesdale mayor. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. I was at, at, uh, at the live oak plantation and, uh, you know, was planned on taking just a, vacation you know i worked all my all the sundays to add up enough time to be able to go away and westbrook was jim westbrook was the manager and and he knew what i was up to and he 
and you know that probably wasn't the way it was is you can't have a guy save up this many days and then take a you know month <laughs> vacation but right jim jim laid kept it on the down low until i was probably gone on the vacation and then he told me yeah, he won't be back for a month type thing but he 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 took the bullet for me there but so yeah did my european trip and then had plans to go to jim young's and spend almost two weeks there so that's what we did or that's what i did and took the i think the trip ended in london and then i took the train to edinburgh and uh this is long before cell phones and stuff and uh you know i'm waiting there in the train station for somebody and nobody coming and nobody coming and trying to phone the number i did have nobody answering the phone and finally after about an hour and a half of sitting there here comes jim's wife in in the train station i'd never met but i was literally the only guy sitting there so uh <laughs> as we're walking she knew out who you to were. the car yeah as we're walking out to the car she said uh jim's got a broken leg and you're gonna have to drive the car <laughs> all right, so we. <laughs> so it's not a car; it's a little SUV with a two-horse trailer hooked on it with three Clydesdales in it. You know, oh, and uh, so here I am on the wrong Driving side on of the, the wrong car side. on the wrong <laughs> wrong side of the road, pulling a horse trailer. But we negotiated her back to Jim's place, and it was breeding seasons. It was May, first part of May, and Jim had a broken leg, and there was and Youngs were the stallion the stallioners in that part of Scotland for sure. So five or six breeding stallions and 30 some mares, you know, of most of them client mares that were, were brought in for, to, for breeding. But, uh, so we, every day we, he had like a four wheeler, uh, motorcycle thing. And, uh, he would, he could drive that and he'd have his crutches sitting on his lap and he'd drive that and I'd be sitting on the back and I'd be leading the stud down to where all the mares were. And you took the stud into a little sheep pen and whatever was, uh, you know, in heat would come up to the fence. And if it was one that that stallion was supposed to cover, we'd catch it and, and, you know, breeder. And if it wasn't, what you'd go back and get the stallion that was supposed to breed. So we did a lot of that shuttling back and forth. And uh, so we went to a show in Northern England. We took a mare and a colt. And uh, while at the show, Hugh Ramsey was was showing at the show. And I'd known Hugh for quite a while and uh, uh, well-respected well Clydesdale man in Scotland. And uh, and did some hitching. He was one of the few guys that actually had a four and a, and a six, you know? So at the show got talking and over, it was a, you know, typical English day, cold and rainy. So we're sitting in this trailer, probably having lunch and probably a beverage or two. And, uh, by the end of the show, I just went home with Hugh Ramsey. There was the annual Clyde meeting was going to be in three, four days in Perth. Scotland and Jim Young would be at the meeting and we'd just meet back up and I'd head back with Jim. So 
just by chance, you know, that I ended up going to Ramsey's and, uh, I don't know, the first morning there, just looking around and, uh, we go out and to another farm down the road and, uh, there he said, I got a yearling mare over here. So there was this Clyde yearling mare in with 10 or 12 sheep in, uh, in this stone fenced paddock, you know, and uh, little buddy. And I'm looking at this mare and, you know, she had shoes on, but uh, I think, gosh, this is quite a, quite a filly. So we got back, I got back to Florida you know, after the deal. And, uh, I told Jim Westbrook, I said, there is a, there is the real deal of mayor at Ramsey's. And he said, is she good enough to be champion at the Royal? And I said, yeah, I think so. And, uh, there was also a gelding. She Ramsey had a gelding. So they, you know, I'm sure they, I don't know how many times they talked to he Ramsey over the deal, but by that fall, the mayor and the gelding were in the States. And I think the mayor, they came to, I think the, at the Big E in Springfield is where the gelding, we got the gelding. And then the Philly we sent, I think to Vickery's in Michigan, just, we didn't want her on the road just quite yet. So we just right. sent her there and let her hang there for a little bit. And then, on our way to the international, which was still in Detroit at that time, we, we laid over there and I think I, she still had the Scottish shoes on. So I think I reset her with, you know, a little bigger shoe, a little nicer shoe. And we showed her and, uh, she was reserve champion. I believe that year at the Royal as a, as a yearling. So pretty close enough for Dr. Weber. All right. She wasn't grand champion, but reserve grand was, you know, uh, I was, and she was a you yearling. Know, breathed a little sigh of relief, you know. All right, she's in the gelding we used. You know, he was in the hitch. We were always looking for a gelding, so he he was in and, and worked fine. So, and I don't know, maybe the next year, I, I was only there another year or so, and was off to the next job. But uh, you know, watch that mare grow up. She ended up at Riddler's in Ontario. I judged her several times and i don't think i ever made her champion i think i made her reserve a couple of times but uh she was you know well into being a broodmare by at that point but uh yeah always uh uh you know take a little pride in, in finding that one not that it was a not that it was a big secret but uh you know right. just to be able to see one in the rough out in the mud and, and know that this is the this is what we're looking for you know so uh yeah great mare great mare and Trimble. luckily she got to places that you know made her helped her career you know she could have just went out in somebody's field and never seen the show ring you know but right. she went to places that were that were active and and you know knew what they had so crazy well you talk about judging you have had a chance to judge a lot of shows and I think you bring not only a young view at it but a progressive view at it and a lot of the shows ask a lot out of a judge you're judging halter horses you're judging hitch you're judging youth as we talked about what 
what shows out there have you judged that stand out in your mind and have been a favorite place to judge or, or you've seen some of the best horses there there's got to be a few that stick out. Oh, for sure. I've judged at Toronto uh, a couple of different times. I've, uh, I've done all the breeding classes at the Royal and, and the mare hitches a couple of different times. Like earlier in the, in the program here, I've talked about how much, uh, Toronto means to me and stuff. So that, that's always the, one of my favorites. Uh, another one is the international, the Great Lakes International, because that's nowadays, that's the best show because all the good ones are there they're all there at the same time uh mm-hmm. to me that's probably the the top show nowadays uh as far as good competition and, and all the good exhibitors will get there so those are good uh anytime a guy can do indiana state fair uh, you know that's the the real hub of the industry i think there at indiana mm-hmm. it's a great facility so that those three you know are, are some of my favorites you know, been you get into some unique spots too at some of these events you're judging that aren't the state fairs or the big shows, be it county fairs or something like that. Uh, I've been over to uh, Columbia, South America, on two different occasions to to judge some shows over there, and and uh, I think the first year, first time I went, it was a smaller show you know, outside of the city, outside of Bogota or hour, hour. Mm-hmm. So, and, uh, that show ring was a bullfighting arena. Oh. So wow. that was, you know, kind of neat to be inside, inside there with armed military people with machine guns patrolling around, yeah. you know, it's, you kind of look it over your shoulder. Why, why are they even here? You know, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. uh, great people mm-hmm. though. That was, uh, Gosh, we really enjoyed enjoyed uh, being over there, and they're nice people, and and really wanted to learn. And you were there, you were there to judge their show, but you were putting on clinics, and they just after the show, they would, you know, come and look at my horse and tell me what you think, and and I mean, just lined up sure. for you to talk to them. So th- that's fun. I enjoy that part of it too. Um, right. You know, well, we're, I, I don't well, have we're any trouble about, giving advice. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's, you know, that's what they want. But our next biggest challenge for you, you have been selected to judge both the Mare Halter and the Full Spectacular at the upcoming World Clydesdale Show. This has got to be another feather for your cap. I, how do you prepare for this? Is this something that you're you're thinking about already? Or is it something that you just go to the show, see what's in front of you? How, how exciting is that to be a part of a world show? Uh, well, for sure. It's, yeah, it's a, it was a real honor and, uh, yeah, I'm not putting much thought into it yet. We're right in our kind of busy time here where I'm working now. So, and at this stage in my, you know, career, I just go to the event and what's ever in front of me, that's what I'm going to judge. You know, I've got, in my mind, I know what, what I'm looking for. I've judged enough and people that have showed under me, underneath me, they pretty well know what I'm looking for too, you know? So, uh, now you have to prepare yourself, you know, uh, cause there's, you know, more likely going to be some big numbers in some of these mayor classes. So 
There's a little bit of that. How do you, you know, I have my own little system that I do and it involves making notes, you know, just one to help myself and two to speed the, the show along is, you know, nobody wants to be standing there taking a long time and then do a poor job at it, you know? So, uh, so yeah, it's mostly preparing just, you know, a couple of days before make sure I got all the right suits ready to go to wear and, and that kind of thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, uh, so, uh, well, and yeah, like you said, some of those, cl- some of those classes might have, have 20, 30 entries. So it is, it, so it is going to be exciting. We're expecting close to 600 Clydesdales. It's going to be an event that people need to be making plans to come see, because when you celebrate the Clydesdale breed, this is the crown jewel. And like you said, it's an honor to be a part of it and to be selected as a, as a judge for it. But before we're running a little short on time, I want to wrap up about what you're doing now. You have working now in what we consider more of the light horse, the sport horse industry. So you're, you're on the East coast and you're working as a coachman. Give us a quick rundown on, on how that compares to the draft horse that you've normally worked with. Yeah. The, the first real light horse job, you know, I went and worked for Tucker Johnson who, uh, did the combined driving and, uh, on the world level. I mean, we competed in Europe and, and that was, you know, been around Chester enough, you know, and that's what he does. So, you know, he had a pretty good idea about it, but it really intrigued me. And, uh, so that was part of it. I, I went, I went and searched that job out uh and uh great experience and there again was able to be around and learn from you know some top top world renowned people uh over in Germany mm-hmm. Michael Freund was was the was the guy you know so that being said I spent hours on the carriage with Michael Freund and uh he he had no trouble telling you what he was doing. So, and it was just, you know, with the draft horses that we're showing, we have their heads checked up so high and they're so rigid, you know, they can't hardly turn their head, you know, where with these mm-hmm. light horses and that they, you know, there is no check. You want them round and soft and they have to be able to, I didn't know horses could bend like that, you know, till I saw what these, his were German warm bloods. <clears throat> So now that's a whole, now the bidding is, is that much more important, you know, because that you are controlling them for sure. Draft horses, you're, mm-hmm. you know, some of these guys are just naming them when they get in there and hope they can turn them when they get to the corner, you know, uh, mm-hmm. where Amen. it's, you're going through pylons and dressage tests and, and the real training, uh, we drill those horses for hours every day. And, you know, I'm, I, I don't know, but I'm thinking, gosh, these things, we're wearing them out. But, uh, so there's no, you know, no drugs involved. So if you got a hot one, you, you work him till he's not hot anymore, you know, and <laughs> that could be ours. So that for sure, for the bits bidding and, uh, actually learned how to read a horse better uh mm-hmm. just because he's not all rigid you know and uh so that for sure 
just being able to read them, still be able to, to think ahead of them, uh, which is, that's part of any horse is, uh, be quick enough that you're not reacting. You're, you're catching it before it happens. And, uh, when Chester or when, uh, Tucker retired after the world championships in 2010, so my spot kind of went away and was, you know, had a great letter of recommendation from Tucker and had several opportunities. And I chose this one with these hackney ponies and, uh, it, we don't show the, uh, Mrs. Orson, we don't show, but we go to these drives, uh, you know, go to a nice place for the weekend and all the other wealthy types are there with their horses and, and it's there for fun. So, well, I got to really tell no you, I got to tell you, I'm partial because I have Hackney Pony. So I'm really liking what you're doing now, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Although they it's, can be a handful. Uh, I'll tell you what. They can be a handful. It is a challenge. <laughs> yes, exactly. They, uh, there again, I didn't know I had that much more to learn. Yeah. Uh, oh, I Hackneys will teach you a lot. <laughs> For sure. For sure. And, uh, like I said, it's fun. Uh, you know, uh, it's, can be frustrating, but uh, they're a, when when they are working right, they're a blast to drive because you cannot wear them out. Uh, you can, you know, they're like driving little. I always them, said, I want to see if you agree with this. I always said, and then we have to wrap. We have to we have to uh, go on to our next guest. But I always said that they were like driving little Ferraris. Um, they're like yeah. driving little sports cars. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah. and they're out of control like Somebody, little sports cars sometimes too. And naughty like little sports cars too sometimes. <laughs> I tell you, ponies are, are smarter than horses. No doubt. Smarter in a devious way. Yes. But, uh, yes. In an unlock uh, my door and let everybody else out way. That kind of way. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Somebody asked me, you know, I hadn't been there, you know, probably in my first, year of working here they asked me well how you know how is it how are they and i said you know driving for sometimes it's like it can be everything be going good and all of a sudden it's like the popcorn machine there's ponies <laughs> bouncing around everywhere and you don't know why uh, and no uh, next you know pretty quick they're back to everything is cool again so because they wanted and, you know, to. The wind changed direction. Because they wanted to. The pony sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, All right. But we... a real challenge. I mean, I'd hate to have to be doing this job and not have the experience I've had prior. You know. So. Isn't that funny? Coming from a draft horse guy talking about little twelve hand ponies. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, what a, what a great interview, Alan. I've learned so much more. Just what do you think you know people? I've learned a lot about you, and, and you are truly a great asset into our industry, whether you're driving the heavies or you're driving the light horses. So thankful to have you on the show. If people would like to get in touch with Alan and ask any questions, you can find him online. He's at Freitag Draft Horses at yahoo.com, or you can always message us at Heavy Horses in the Morning and we can connect you. But have a great day, Alan, and we look forward to seeing you as our official judge at the upcoming World Clydesdale Show. Well, thanks so much for having me on. Uh, this is my second interview. I yes, did it one is. with David Saunders. You were. You were on with David ago. and I years ago on the driving show. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Yeah, so, right. Uh, oh, this is a great, a great. Uh, a great feature. Anything to promote 
you know, these heavy horses, I'm, I'm all for. So this is a, a, another great outlet for it. So I appreciate the, I appreciate you having me on. All right. Very good. Thanks, Alan. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Okay. Thank you. Bye. All right. Let's hear from our friends at Chipchawana. We have Arlen standing by and he, we'll get to you in just one second, Arlen, but we have to do some business here. And Chipchawana is one of those things. Shipshawana Harness and Supplies in the heart of draft horse country in Shipshawana, Indiana, is your source for everything draft horse. Their large inventory of in-house crafted harness, halters, and show bridles, showtime blankets, sweats, wagons, and carts, horse care products, and even shoeing supplies will fill the needs of the heavy horse hobbyist, the horse farmer, the heavy horse exhibitor, and the horse pulling competitor. You can find them online at ShipshawanaHarness.com, as well as on Facebook at Shipshawana Harness. Or you can give them a call at 260-768-7254. Just ask for Bob. Shipshawana Harness and Supplies, your source for everything draft horse. You're listening to the Draft Horse episode of Horses in the Morning. I'm here with Lisa, and we are presented today by the Draft Horse Journal. Horse Progress Days is a showcase event for newly manufactured and modified horse-drawn equipment. The annual event features field demonstrations, educational seminars, round pen clinics, a parade of breeds, a pony express, family and children's activities, something for everyone in the horse industry. From the original conception of the gathering of, of of gathering interested folks together to see horse farming equipment. You know, it, it's uh, grown into an event that's enthusiastically supports, encourages, and promotes the use of horses to farm. It's... <clears throat> Excuse me. It has not only honored the ways of horse farming, it has actually changed the way horse farming is done today. Over 20,000 people attend Horse Progress Days annually, which is rotated amongst six different farming regions of the United States. Many of its visitors come from as far away as Africa, Europe, and South America to see hundreds of horses being used to showcase the implements and the techniques and skills needed to use them. In 2008, the Horse Progress Days will be held in uh, June 29th and 30th in Central Michigan, the gateway to the north, taking place in the city of Clare. This is the northernmost location that the event takes place. There's nothing quite like it. It's definitely the single most important heavy horse event of our times and one of those rare must-see-for-yourself affairs. For more information about the 25th annual Horse Progress Days, visit horseprogressdays.com. That's horseprogressdays.com. Well, our next guest today, we are going to the opposite side of the country as we make our way to Blackfoot, Idaho, and we are going to welcome Arlen Waring as our guest. A little history about Arlen and a lot of you that are in the draft horse industry, specifically with the Shires, know the icon Arlen. He was born and raised in Idaho on a farm that worked Shire horses. Years later, he started his own Shire program, and in the late in the late 1960s, he imported the first Shire from England since the Great Depression. That was a horse that came over to start his love for importing the horses. He's imported over 400 horses since then. He is past president of the American Shire Horse Association having served on their board of directors for 20 years. And besides breeding Shires, he is an avid competitor 
Editor. He has been an exhibitor at all but 10 of the National Shire Shows, and he is known as Mr. Shire. So good morning, Arlen. Good, good morning, Lisa, and all, all of your listeners. It's an early morning out in Idaho, and when I was giving you those times that we were going to call you, I said, you know, it's a little early, but you are a man who loves to talk about horses in the Shire in particular, so I don't think any time would have been too early for you. Oh, it, it really wouldn't, and and then of course it, when you've got uh, horses, well, you have to get up and get them fed in the morning anyway. So, the time is perfect. Uh, all right, so we're going to go back, and I have been fortunate enough to know you for for many years, and I got to do an article on you for the Draft Horse Journal. So I I know a lot of the history, but to kind of expel it out to our listeners, I guess the number one question is what made the Shire so important to you? What enamored you with the Shire horse to begin with? Well, I'm not sure that uh, it, it was the Shire in, in the very beginning. I I, I had been uh, employed uh, as a, uh, a produce inspector and had worked in, in, in Idaho and in California, and particularly in California where I traveled from place to place, kind of a fruit junkie. And, uh, and, and I moved back to Idaho and I had a cut in pay, and my family was growing up, and, and, and I needed something to do that I could do with my family, so I decided to get a draft horse, and I, my dad had had uh, great Shire horses, and so I kind of moved that direction, and, and that was just kind of a start as just a, a little bit of a hobby. Well, and what started as a hobby has now become a center of, of your family, and you always say that horses make everything whole and you talk about you had great horses you worked with these great horses at home and from our visiting i know that you came into somewhat of a problem when you were going to start breeding the horses because in the small community of shires there was not a lot of outcrosses to be breeding new horses with or or to improve the grade horses or, or to get more into the registered horses. So your thoughts turned to the homeland of the Shire horse, England, and all of a sudden you decided to make a trip to Great Britain. So tell us about that, that first trip when you went over there. Well, uh, you said everything correctly. And, 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 and I, I found that there was uh, really not uh enough breeding stock in the United States. In fact, uh, as the records indicate, we were down to about 25 registered shire horses in the United States and in, in all of the United States, and, and nearly all of those was in the Blackfoot area. And and they have become inbred uh, to the point of it was it just simply wasn't working. So I I contacted England just to, just to see what was happening over there and and they they kind of believed I was a bigger uh, deal than I actually was, but anyway, they was very anxious to see that I was able to uh, maybe get, bring some shires over, and so I brought over Jim's chieftain, and, uh, and because of that, there was a I got a lot of publicity from uh, various uh, horse magazines and everything that that. Uh, made me more of a, uh, a player than really I probably was. Uh, and and the same thing was true in England. They uh, 
that they thought that maybe I was a big player, and uh, and I was treated extremely well. I've been uh, treated over there like uh, like the queen herself, and and it, it's been a it's been a, a trip that's all, almost uh, unbelievable as to the uh, the friends and the, and the activity I've had, but I, there's been a lot of bumps along the road. <laughs> well, we're going to go back and talk about that very first horse that you imported because I put the picture on our Facebook page about you standing in the New York Harbor with your wife and and your two young girls holding this yearling stallion with the Liverpool ship in the background. And a lot of people have commented on it and said, oh my, that is actually how the horse came. And going back even a little further, you did not even see this horse before you purchased him. If I remember the story right, you put your faith in the gentleman over in England and said, you pick out the best horse for me and you send him. And so he made that, they made the decision on Chieftain's Gym. They put him on the ship. And what was that like when you were not only anticipating what this horse was going to be, because you put your faith in, in those people, but the travel from Idaho to New York. I, I was trying to tell Glenn, our host, about it. You traveled in a, in a station wagon with your family with a one-horse trailer. And in that day and age, it had to be a long, long trip. Well, it was, and it was one of those trips that uh, that I just mentioned that uh, that turned out to be extremely memorable. But at the time, it, it was a little nervous wracking as well. Uh, you was correct when I contacted England uh, about what was happening over there in the Shire Breed, and 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 I had talked to their the secretary Roy Berg, uh, who, by the way, just passed away. Uh, a couple of months ago, at age 91, uh, but uh, Roy was was determined to uh, improve the breed in England and to uh, gather numbers and prove numbers over there. So when I contacted them, they were willing to uh, to help me in any way possible. Uh, as you said, they uh, they uh, actually they they put forward three different yearling stallions that that were available and 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 sent me pictures and I was uh, given the opportunity to to pick from that tree and then the, the deal was made and 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 he was he, he when he was shipped why I, I I couldn't afford to have him transported from New York to Idaho so I was going to do it myself uh we uh uh, my my mother and and the family here were Westerners and uh, was not uh, all that familiar with the the eastern part of the United States. Uh, New York was kind of one of those places that uh, you hear about, but really can't be real. And so, uh, it, it the anticipation was uh, was great, and 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 the journey was was nerve-wracking at best when we actually got to New York and 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 the ship came finally came into harbor uh and and that picture was taken that you're referring to uh there was a lot of people working on the dock that morning and 
and when the crane lifted that uh, box off of the deck of the ship onto the dock, every, everybody in that whole area stopped working uh, to see what was going on. And and the press was there to take the picture, and and of course that added to the excitement of everybody. Uh, I I think that the, the dock foreman was probably at more stressed than I was because of the work not getting done. Uh, but it, it 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 was a a great experience that I've looked back on since, and and it, it's one I simply don't forget. Right. Right. Well, when you when you think of that very first horse, I'm sure that you had no idea that the role that that first horse would play in helping to bring bring back the Shires, because you just said there was about 25 registered horses and, and most of those were out by you in Idaho, out in the West. And so to add new blood into the Shires with just this one horse you had to be thinking great things, but because you and I have talked about this, you were a little set back when you got home because the people in your area were used to the shorter workhorse. They they were used to a different type of Shire. So when they saw Jim, who was a modern looking stallion, you faced a little adversity. Well, yeah, that, that is very true. On, on my way east, I, I had stopped in Iowa and, and, and stopped at, at, at the Tulane uh, home. Uh, and, uh, and he had, had told me when we came back through why he would, he would like to, to have me stop there and, 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 and rest on our way home. And, and when we got back to Iowa, why uh, there, there was a, a group of horsemen there to see to see Jim, and uh, and and most of them was quite taken with him. In fact, one of the gentlemen looked him over and uh, said he liked this and he didn't like that and he went on. But he said that that horse has got the, the best that that yearling has got the best legs I ever I ever seen on on a young horse. Uh, when I got back to Idaho. One of my old friends that had kind of mentored me in in, in the draft horses in the in the years that I had been in it uh, did actually about the same thing and looked him over and liked this and didn't like that, but he had the worst set of legs he had ever ever seen on a horse at that age. So, <laughs> so you were stuck uh, in the middle. <laughs> I'm stuck, and I and I don't know whether I've got a good horse or a bad horse, and and frankly that that experience. Uh, Set me out to to study, uh, to learn more about the the breed, about draft horses in general, and and that that study uh, took me uh, to many people throughout the country, uh, uh, at least in conversation. Uh, some come to see him because he was imported, and and uh, and and it took the the Idaho people quite a bit of time before they really. Uh, accepted the horse and, and, and some of them never did, but uh, it, it, it certainly made an impact on, on, on the breed in general. Absolutely. And, and since Jim, you have made countless trips back to Great Britain and, and you worked for many years helping to bring horses over for other people. And when you think of some of the biggest names in the Shire history, you have, you know, the Tom's, 
Smirt. I believe you brought back dozens and dozens of horses for Tom here in Illinois and also Virginia State and one of the most prolific shire hitches out there you helped to put that hitch together so your role basically was to kind of get a checklist of what people were looking for and then you would go to england and use your context there to find these horses how difficult was it to match wants and needs with what the people were looking for well i I don't think it was, it didn't seem to be difficult for me. That was one of the things that, that, uh, that I, I enjoyed doing. And, and, and by the time that I was doing this, I, I had done this study and, 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 and I, I felt reasonably comfortable in, 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 in what I was doing. Uh, and, uh, and, and you mentioned Tom Smirk. Uh, he had his own ideas, but, uh, but, uh, uh, when I presented horses to him for him to uh, to, to consider buying, uh, we, we had no problem at all, and 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 I think the same thing was true with uh, with Virginia State, and as you mentioned, and 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 and, and nearly everybody. I've I, I've been very fortunate in in my uh, people that I bought horses for, accepting uh, the horse that, that that I picked out for them. Uh, it. Uh, that, that that is one thing that I I, I really don't haven't worried about in in, in, in my in, in my efforts. I see. Well, last year you went back to England. You uh, you and a grandson made a trip back to England, and you were awarded a lifetime achievement award. They truly do trust everything that you bring to the table when you're back in England. What you talk about. Um, your successes, even failures, what you can learn together, that had to be a very memorable award for you because of your connection with the Englishman. It was. That, uh, that is nearly the, the highlight of my life, really. I've, I've had several great experiences, and, and, and I've thought about, uh, about the great things that, uh, that I uh, believe uh, to stick in my mind, but that is certainly at the top of the list, or one of the things at the top. Uh, uh, I was one of the families that uh, that I know over there. I was just uh, talking to them uh, a few weeks ago, and I have known and worked, well, I haven't worked with but but I have known five generations of that family. Uh, wow. And, uh, uh, and and that uh, I, I I think is unusual at best. Wow. Uh, well, and the, we talk about doing this that last year in your award, and I did post that picture so so people can go to our Facebook and see the pictures and, and see the mutual respect from the English with your helping them to revive the horses as well as here in the states bringing the Shire horses back to life, but. Last year wasn't it. You and your bride of over 60 years decided to go back to England last month. So tell us about, about that trip and how important it was taking Maxine back with you to see some of your friends. Well, it, it, we, we had a great trip. Uh, um, Maxine traveled with me over there for uh, a, a number, well, many years. And But the last, uh, I think it's probably been... Uh, 
I, I really don't know the last time she went except to this trip. And, and, uh, and of course, she was well known over there as well. And, and we met a lot of those old friends. And, but many of my old friends uh, are, uh, sorry to say, have passed on. And, and that, uh, that is kind of a, a sentimental uh, reflection in my life that, uh, that is sad. Uh, uh, this is some of the new people over, over there uh, don't have a clue as to who I might be. And, uh, and, and, and so I've, I don't have quite the closeness with, with those young people that, that I did with past generations. But we had a great trip, and, and we spent a lot of time with those people that, uh, that, that I had known for years. We spent one day with a fellow that, that I've known for 40-some years, and we spent the day and, and had a good lunch with them and, and talked about old times. That, uh, that, that These are the things in life that, uh, that are quite meaningful. Yes, for sure. And just to prove that you have an eye for what you feel is the right horse for you, last fall you picked out a, a gelding that you felt would eventually work into your hitching program. And we talk about the, the humble beginning where the horse came over on the boat, taking several, several days to get here on the boat. But just yesterday, you had a horse land on a FedEx airplane. And so you are back into the importing. Tell us a little bit about the horse that you've picked out and his travels from the Fountains home back here to the U.S. That, uh, I, I had, uh, I, I'd seen that horse uh, uh, the last couple of years as he was growing up. Uh, uh, and, uh, and, and we were always, always looking for uh, a horse that'll fit into the hitch and, 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 and improve our, our changes in the show ring. And it, it, it's become more and more difficult. So it, it, we decided that uh, maybe we'd better import and, uh, to, uh, to keep this thing going. And, uh, and, and, and this trip to England was, was part of that, uh, uh, reason for going to, to double check on that particular horse and make sure that he was going to be the one. Uh, as you say, he, he landed in, in the U.S. yesterday, and, and I, I hope he works out. I, I guess we'll see what happens. He's now a three-year-old and, uh, and probably won't be in the hitch for another year or two. But uh, with a little luck, why, maybe he'll be the next uh, champion of the hitch. Well, great. And we're going to talk about your hitch. You and your family campaign a gelding hitch. Blacks, four whites, what you're looking for, always striving for. Um, I would say your biggest challenge is your distance. You are a long way away from the shows that are mostly entertained here in the Midwest, but yet you have been a vital competitor at the National Shire Show for as many years. I, I don't know that you've missed... It, my notes say you've only missed 10 ever of our national Shire shows, but the national show being held in Des Moines, Iowa, that's 24 hours away from your home. How, how does that play into your schedule in deciding what shows you can and cannot attend? Well, that's always a challenge as to what, uh, what shows we can attend. And, and as uh, we pointed out, you pointed out, it is a family, uh, uh, project. Uh, we have 
I, I have never hired one person to help with the hitch and, and had a, a paid employee. It's strictly a family and friends and anyone that uh, that wants to help us is is invited to to be a part of our operation. Uh, you're right. The shows that uh, that we feel that we can go to and 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 be a part of seems to be a long ways away. We have we have shown in uh, in Calgary, Canada, at the Stampede for uh, I think thirty some years. Uh, we we did the same in L.A., California, and, and that show finally folded up the, the draft horses. Uh, we were used to traveling a, a long ways. Uh, L.A. was nearly a 1,000 miles away. Well, Des Moines is, is about 1,200 for us, and, and so we felt we could do it. And in fact, uh, for two years, we went to Milwaukee. That stretched our or travel a little bit too much. I don't think we'll ever try going quite that far again. It's just too hard on the horses where they're not accustomed to it. And and, and if you go that far, you've got to you've got to make it to make two shows or some way to uh, to justify the trip. And, and and it's just too tough on the horses. Right, right. And and you you did touch on Calgary Stampede. You are one of the oldest exhibitors that come back year after year and the Shire horses are known there. And and in fact, your colors, you decorate in black and hot pink and people have been accustomed to coming and cheering you on because, you know, they always recognize the people in pink or the, or the horse, black horses with the pink that has been an eye catching um, scheme that, that always catches a lot of attention. My my question for you is, we're going to go back to the national shows. You have had one horse in particular that has stood out in it and that will probably go down in history as being one of the most prolific Shire geldings ever. And that that is the Quill horse. And he was best of breed at the National Shire Show last year. And he's been champion gelding more times probably than any horse in history. Tell us a little bit about Quill and how special he is to the hitch. Uh, we have had, uh, or I've had uh, been questioned many times as to uh, what my favorite horse was that, that we've had and, and and worked with. And, and certainly that's a question that I probably can't really answer because, of course, Jim's chieftain, we have to have him. We've had a couple of three gildings that's worked well for us. We've had mares that's worked out great for us. But but several years, well, it, it, it's been, uh, I think, what, in eight or nine years, years ago now, I, I had what I thought to be an order for a, a gilding in England for, for a customer, and I and I seen this young gilding, and uh, and and brought you the information back to this buyer, and the buyer didn't wasn't interested. So the next year when I was over, I I looked uh, I, I I stumbled across this same horse again. Uh, by that time, he had changed owners, and 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 I was again quite taken with him, and and decided that that he would be the one. Uh, he he was up in the north of of England at the time. Uh, he he traveled by uh, lorry or by truck to uh, uh, 
down to the camp to, uh, where he was stable for a few days. Then, then he was taken across the channel to Amsterdam and and flew from there uh, to the, to New York. He was in New York uh, several days before I could get him headed west. And and all in all, he was on he was in transit for just exactly a month. And when he got here, he looked terrible. Uh, everybody thought I had completely gone crazy. Uh, but he, uh, when we started feeding him and working with him, why, uh, he just bloomed up just like you would blow up a balloon. And he got looking so good, and, 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 and that was in, in early April. Uh, he got looking so good, I was afraid we was going to founder him. So I, uh, I, I told my son Wayne that we maybe better work him a little bit. So we worked him uh, some. And he took to it so well that, that we had him in the lead of the Six Horse Hitch in Calgary in July. And he never <laughs> wow. looked back. Uh, he, he's, uh, he's certainly been uh, everything and more that we would expect of any horse. And uh, he's, uh, he just got it all as, as far as I'm concerned. And, and, and the fact that he has, he has been champion so many times is, uh, is certainly a, a joy to us. Uh, the main problem is he's getting old. And like all right. those old things, why we're not what we used to be. Right. But, right. but, but well, we're he, still, hope, he we're is... still hoping we got a couple more years in. <laughs> Exactly. Well, Glenn's telling us we need to wrap up here, but I just want to, again, give a shout out to to your dedication of the Shire horses and the draft horses. You are a name that people can call upon. You are a true historian. You have probably forgotten more than most of us will ever remember. And one thing about the Wearing Shires that is so unique is that it is a family organization. Organization. Your son Wayne is your right hand man. He does all the driving and the shoeing. But you know, you your kids all grew up. Julie, Wendy, Todd, they all grew up working with the Shires. Then your grandchildren. Um, it is a true testament that a family can make an operation work. And not not only working as a family, but the distances that you have to travel. And and like we said, when you hit the road, your closest show is five or six hours away in Mona. Utah, that's your your closest show. So it, again, shows your drive and your dedication to the breed. And I wish we had two more hours that we could talk to you because you have been such an influence to so many people. And I guess in closing, we just want to say thanks for being a part of our show today. Uh, Arlen does have a Facebook page. You can always call him. You can message me for his phone number. He is a gentleman that, that loves to sh- share his knowledge and to talk. And we just thank you so much, Arlen, for being on our show this morning. Well, thank you very much. It, it's been a pleasure, and, 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 and thanks to all of those that, that are listening. We, uh, we, uh, we, we like to talk horse, and, uh, and, and certainly I'm, I'm available. All right. Thanks, Arlen. Right. Thanks so much. Have a great day. We need to do an Equestrian Legends episode with him. We do. I, I could tell you, you know, I'm very involved with the family, and, and Arlen – He's just he's just an amazing guy that has so much history. And, you know, he single-handedly did help save the Shires from 25 registered horses at the beginning to the modern-day 
say when we go to our national show, when we have five, six horse hitches, it's because of, of people with him and dedication that, that strive to bring the Shires back. And you, you know, as well as I do, a lot of times people go, is that a Clydesdale or is it a Shire? Right, right. Arlen will be the one to tell you this is what distinctively sets the Shire apart. And, and he is just so passionate about the breed. And like I said, he is, he's a historian that we could talk to for hours. Well, Jennifer, what is coming up with the world Percheron Congress? If we're going back to Glenn's favorites, the Percherons, once again, America is hosting the greatest of events for the world's most popular draft horse, the Perch world Percheron Congress. It is returning to Iowa on October 8th through the 13th this this year at the historic Iowa State Fairgrounds. The World Percheron Congress celebrates and honors the great breed's history, versatility, power, and intelligence. It will be a worldwide celebration with breed ambassadors coming from Colombia, South America, Australia, Great Britain, Italy, Germany, as well as dignitaries, I think that means the humans, from the breed's homeland of France. Hundreds of Percheron horses from all over North America will compete in farm classes, confirmation classes, hitch classes, riding classes, youth competitions, horse poles, my favorite, full futurities, a two-year-old jackpot competition, surely to be highly contested, and even barrel racing. The drive for the Cure Charity Cart class will return to the arena, and it's going to be all pink in recognition of Breast Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And, of course, there's the shopping... From harness shops to artists and everything in between, there will be something for everyone. The Percheron Horse Association of America invites you and your family to come and experience the Percheron Horse like never before at the Iowa State Fairgrounds State-of-the-Art Jacobson Center and be part of the largest gathering of Percheron draft horses anywhere. You're going to have a great time, you're going to make great memories, and you're going to want to go back. So for details... And a complete schedule, you can get your World Percheron, Cur- Cur- World Percheron Congress merchandise. You can visit them on the web at worldpercheroncongress.us, not dot com, dot us. And you can go to Facebook and just look up World Percheron Congress or contact Lisa at the Clydesdale store and more. Let's harness the excitement, folks, October 8th through the 13th. And actually, it's uh, WP Store and More, right? You have a special one for the World Percheron Congress. Right. The World Percheron Congress store is WPCStoreandMore.com. We have some great specials going on on all of your official Congress wear. So make sure to go visit the WPCStoreandMore.com. Got it. And you also do have the Clydesdale store and more. You have a whole bunch of stuff over there. So, uh, I, I do. Make sure to just, just go to Facebook and find us on Facebook. You will see all kinds of great things at the Clydesdale store and more and WPC store and more all your gear to get you set for the upcoming world shows. Basically, if you want something with a picture of a Percheron on it, Lisa has it. A picture of a, a draft horse <laughs> on it, Lisa has it. Anything, Lisa has it. Just head over there today. Well, Lisa, thank you so much today for putting the great guests together. We really appreciate it. We also want to talk about the Draft Horse Journal before we wrap, because they're the ones that uh, put in the work to book the guests today, Lynn and the gang over there. You can subscribe to the Draft Horse Journal at drafthorsejournal.com. It is the premier magazine for the Draft Horse world. If you're interested in Draft Horses at all, you should be getting this in your hands. It's drafthorsejournal.com is where you go. You can visit Lisa 
as we said, at the Clydesdale store and more. You can find links to today's guests and show notes at horsesinthemorning.com. You can also follow Horses in the Morning on Facebook. Just search for Horses in the Morning. And there's a second Facebook page, isn't there? Yes, the Heavy Horse draft horses in the morning and you can find that on facebook that's right uh and that's it we have 17 other shows though so if you want to listen to all of them get our free app download it on your phone ios or android just search for horse radio network thank you everybody and we will see you again soon we'll be back here tomorrow morning get your ads for really bad ads into jennifer at horseradionetwork.com jamie be back we'll be back here at 9 a.m tomorrow morning thanks lisa Thanks. Have a great day. You know, it'd help if I had the closing music actually ready to go. Um, that would really help. <laughs> well, we could sing, but hey, nobody wants to that. World Persian Congress. <laughs> <laughs>